How many have enjoyed your ride to Grace Community today? How many enjoy that ride? Yeah. It's always uh, good to see uh, that you've come out on a day like this, and God's going to do some great things. And uh, it's one of the things I, I love about Grace um, is that we have a lot of dudes that like to drive in the snow, and uh, we have a lot of gals that are come out too. And uh, so, praise God that you made it safely today, and uh, hopefully. It, You'll continue to be blessed as we were in the worship in the main and the link today. And today I'm excited about this message that God has placed on our hearts for this year as we continue this unfinished series. And today we're going to continue that. And I'm going to try to help you to continue this journey and not finish halfway. Personal question, how many of you from last week made any kind of progress in your walk? But how many of you... How many of you made some progress? Okay, we see some progress. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, or right where you were last week? It's like uh, you signed the trust, and you made, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and have quiet time. I'm going to make sure I spend time in God's Word. I'm going to share my faith, and I'm, I'm going to eat healthy this week, and I'm going to exercise with Pastor Jen. It was cold. It was cold out, and it? It's like, uh, well, it's not cold on the inside. Uh, it's, and there's just so many excuses, and, and the thing is, if we don't begin now, we'll never become who we're supposed to be. Today, I'm going to try to encourage you with these words. No one said it would be easy being a Christ follower. So if you're one of those people out there that are seeking Christ, and you're wondering, should I I surrender to Jesus? Let me tell you this. It won't make your life easier, but you'll have someone with you who will never leave you or forsake you. And he'll walk you through this journey, and he'll give you power and and energy and, and things that that you never thought you could do in your mind. He'll help you overcome them. And not only will he do it on this side of heaven, but you'll meet him on the other side too. That's great news, isn't it? You can't get that reading Newsweek. can't get that reading the Goshen News. And you won't get that by yourself. You definitely won't get that just trying to make it your own way. But it's only through Jesus Christ. There will be times you'll want to give up, but you've got to have a fighting spirit. There will be times you'll get halfway. Some of us have been halfway on so many different journeys. It's like, it just got too hard and I gave up. My hope today is this, that you won't quit. That you'll plow through, that you'll push through with a faithful heart and a faithful spirit. Because the reward on the end is so good. Let me give you an example of someone who plowed through. Take a look at this. sent me those first two pictures on with the knee braces, the back brace, the canes, 200 and, you know, 
97 pounds and his belly was out to here. And I was thinking, God, how am I going to help that guy? When you get what you want, not what you need. When you feel so tired, but you can't sleep. Stuck in reverse. And tears come streaming down your face. When you lose something you can't replace. When you love someone but it goes to waste Could it be with this and I just want to share this with everybody thanks a lot That doesn't fire you up, then uh, maybe I need to come and fire you up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I see things like that. I, it, 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 it motivates me, inspires me to, to, to push on with no matter what I'm facing. And the reality is, we don't even have to do it alone. We got Jesus Christ, we got the Holy Spirit living in us, who's, who gives us an unfair advantage, who, who, 
who is able to be that voice behind us saying, this is the way, turn in it. You know, the scripture says in Isaiah, when I hear a voice behind me, whether I should turn to the left or right, listen to it. And instead of hearing that voice behind us that says, you can't do it, you can't do it, we need to, need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that says, turn left, turn right, go. Instead of hearing those negative voices. And so today, I, I, my hope is this, is somehow you'll walk away today, no matter where you're at, you know what your thing was. Last week we did an evaluation. We stood up. We evaluated our lives, and there were places in our lives that we need to make some progress. Some of us, we started out good. Some of us signed up, and then now we're retreating. Some of us, we're on this beginning journey of, of developing a great legacy. And then this, this cataclysmic failure took place. And so we just walked away from it, saying, well, I guess I'm finished. Listen to me. As long as you're breathing, as long as Christ still lives, and we know he does forever, there is always hope that you can get back up and finish and be the person Christ intended you to be. Anybody believe that? So let's do it. Let's become that person. There will be moments in this journey that you will want to give up. Yet... You'll wonder even in those moments, maybe halfway through, can I finish this thing? Is it possible? Today we're going to give you a a real close inside look at a person who saw a, a country, a group of people that were finished, completely finished. But inside of his heart, he could see something that the rest of them couldn't see, and he knew with God it wasn't finished. Grab your Bibles and dig in today to the book of Nehemiah. In the Old Testament, turn to Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Turn to Nehemiah. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little background here. The Jews, God's people, the Jewish people, God's people found themselves in exile. In other words, they were pushed away. They had been pushed out by their enemy. And while they were out, the reason they got pushed out was because this, this, this enemy was stronger. And the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. A place where, where God followers came and worshipped, the, the walls were knocked down. And it was as if they were pushed away. They could never go back. The, the, their place of worship, their place of living, their place of gathering, their place where they exalted Yahweh, their place where Elohim was lifted high was knocked down. And in many people's minds, it's over. It's finished. Yet there was one man that saw these walls and said, no, we're not finished. And it grieved him so badly that the Bible says he fasted and he lost sleep over the runes in which this heap of rubble was, was piled up. Now, here's what I know to be true. In order for them to rebuild the walls, it would require great effort. It would require adversity that they would have to overcome. And they must begin this thinking that says, with God, this is possible. But the change will only take place if you want it to happen. You know, I'm walking my life, and I'm going to complete it and finish it with God's help. But it's not a matter of whether you want it or you want it or you want it. It's a matter of if the person doing it wants it. No one can want it more than you. And it will only happen if you make the choice to do it. Stand with me. We're going to read Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's set the foundation for this country that was in disarray. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 of chapter 1. 
Let's read this together. Ready? Read. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year. While I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. You have a seat. The walls were torn down. Jerusalem wasn't what it once was. Yet Nehemiah sees the place, and he is burdened by it. He has this passion to to help out his people. And he can see that it would require great, great, great effort in order for them to rebuild. And it says that his heart was troubled by that. Yet one man who is broken and contrite with a holy discontent, one woman who is broken and contrite and doesn't want to stay the same anymore with God can overcome and become the person that they're intended to be. Yet often we can be our greatest opposition towards becoming what we are intended to be. Seriously, sometimes you're the greatest problem that you'll ever be to be the person you're supposed to be. You must get out of your own way. And it starts in your mind. It begins here. Part of it is, you, you maybe, maybe you live in a family where, where this family constantly shows you and tells you of all the things you've done wrong. Maybe you, you, you've been on a journey and you've got a church background that always points out your faults and judges and says you're not, you, you're not who you can be. Maybe you're just a person who always sees life with all the problems that's in it and all you see is it's too hard, it's too difficult. You could be your greatest opposition to becoming the person that Christ wants you to become. That's why Paul said this in Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians and keep your finger here. He saw it in the New Testament. It wasn't as if it disappeared after the Old Testament. So Paul addressed the church at Ephesus later down with this same problem that they were facing. And he wanted them to overcome too. And so look what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at beginning at verse 18. He says, I pray that the what of your heart. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever stopped and thought, what? Have you ever, I don't have any eyes on my heart. What does that mean, the eyes of my heart? The eyes of your heart, he says, I'll explain it in a second, may be enlightened, may be open, may be able to see in order that you may know the what hope to which you, he has called you. The riches of his glorious what? Help me out. Come on, help me out. I know you're not awake yet, but help me out. The glorious what? Inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great what? Power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Then Paul says this, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Why did Paul, many, many years later, say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be open. 
enlightened. I pray that you might be able to see with the eyes of your heart. Why did he say that? Because many who call themselves Christ followers have shut their minds and shut their hearts. They can't see the way that Christ wants them to see. And the majority of the time is this, because you have chosen to believe a lie. You have chosen to listen to another voice. If I were to paraphrase this and put the Jim Brown paraphrase, I would say it this way. Grace Community Church, I pray that you get your heads on straight this year so that you can see, so that you can know, and so that you daily open your eyes of your heart, open the eyes of your mind, and see the way of redeemed, justified, redeemed, sanctified believers should see. Knowing that this glorious inheritance from God is available to you. This incomparably great power, the same power that Christ was resurrected with, lives in us. Now, stop and just pause for a second. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and you and you and you and you. Did you feel that way this morning? See, we got to remind ourselves, or were your lenses shut? Did you wake up and say, oh, man, Lord, that weather, oh, man, oh, it's going to be a hard day, it's going to be a hard week, oh, I hope I stay awake, oh. Or did you wake up and say, <laughs> look at the mirror, guess what? There's this inheritance that came from above, and God gave it to me, and the Holy Spirit lives in me, and there's this incredibly great power that lives in me. I am unstoppable. Is that how you felt this morning? How many two of you felt that way today? <laughs> Paul wants to remind us that that's who we are. And so every once in a while, you just need to open your eyeballs of your mind and the eyeballs of your heart and remind yourselves of that. But here's the problem. You are so busy seeing what is good about other people that you don't see what's good about you because of Jesus. Oh, I wish I had what he had. Oh, I, I could do that too if I was there. Oh, I could do that if I had that. And so we see all these other things instead of saying, hey, guess who I am? <laughs> Redeemed, born again, sanctified, Holy Spirit living in me, imperative great power, raised Jesus from the dead. Guess what? Welcome world, here I am. That's the picture we need to open our eyes up with every morning. But many have this disease on the inside of our minds that has poisoned our lives. You see, a closed mind will never receive anything from God. Never. So if you don't believe God's going to do it, if you don't believe God can, can, can do it, then you know what happens? We don't pray and we don't ask. And so we just hope and hope. And God is saying, hey, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I can help you? Don't you know that I live in you? Open your eyes so that you can see. So you know what you do instead of living a life like that? You grab a little of this and a little of that along this journey, and you hope for the best. And so we talked about the blueprints two weeks ago that God has put from the foundation of the world, and I showed you a picture of what you can look like. We're created to do good works. And so we get on this journey. We think, oh, I hope I get there. And so we grab a little of this, and we try that, and 
Hey, hey, yeah, I'll come out to that and be part of that. Yeah, I'll join that exercise class and last about two weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm on a healthy pattern of eating right now. But man, those rise and rolls, they're awesome. And so we just grab, 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 grab. And we just have this mixed bag. And we, and we, we wake up and say, boy, I hope for the best. You will never become who you were intended to be unless there's a life of discipline. Never, ever, ever. And so just this hodgepodge. I like to think about it this way. It's like Jesus wants us to be filet mignon, and we settle for goulash. You know, I, don't, I don't even know what's in goulash. Everyone has a different recipe. It's like little this and little that and little this, and that's kind of what we are. That's kind of what we live our lives. Goulash. Just, just. And all the while, God said, no, this is how I charted out for you to live. This is who you can become. Yet we settle with goulash Christianity when all along the way, this voice behind us is saying, hey, turn to the left. Hey, turn to the right. Hey, 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 that's the way. Instead of hearing this other voice says, oh, that's okay. It won't matter. No one cares. Just go do that. I've always thought about that every time I've eaten haystack dinners. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, I've never heard of haystack before I moved to Indiana. I remember the first time, like, I see these signs driving up 15, haystack dinner. I just think, what the world is haystack? I mean, you guys eat hay in Indiana? I mean, I just... You laugh, I'm serious. Haystack's kind of like that. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's like, it's like you just walk into the kitchen. Hey, there's some crackers, and they, hey, there's some rice, and hey, there's, there's like chicken, and there's, there's whatever else. There it is. Just grab that and just throw it at. And then, and then you actually pay to eat that stuff. It's like you have haystack. Come on. Why would you want to eat just... Or it's like you walking into your kitchen and, 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 and instead of using the recipe book to, to get this, this, this product or this, this, this menu, you just kind of grab a little pinch of this and grab a little chicken here and throw it in there. And, and you, grab, you grab a little salt and you grab this and you grab that and you put it all together and you stir it up and, and you throw it in the oven and, and then you bring it out. And then and someone asks, hey, how did you make that? What's, I don't know, it's just, and, and, and then you try to, well, what is it? It's uh, chicken Splendor. I mean, it's just. <laughs> and we just hope that it's. We could ever recreate that. There's no way you could ever recreate that. God has designed this walk for us to be intentional, to be on the straight and narrow, to daily have these habits and disciplines that cause us to be this person that He wanted us to be instead of just hit and miss Christianity. You see, the currents of your mind and my mind control the direction of our lives. So if we don't think we can become that, we don't become that. So many of us have ruts that are so deep. I mean, they're down to the, the nasal cavity of our nose when it comes to our mind. And we just keep running our thoughts through that channel. And that's all we've become. We need to dig some new channels. We need to chart some new paths so that we can become all that Christ wants us to become. Nehemiah walks by these runes. By the way, hundreds, if not thousands of other people walk by every day and say, man, that's Jerusalem, it's in ruins. <laughs> They'll never get back to, come back to the glory days that they were. Yet this man walked by one day and said, it's not supposed to be that way. You know, we're God's people. God's people aren't supposed to be in a bunch of ashes. God's people were made for more than that. God's people aren't supposed to be in exile and hiding. These are God's people. I refuse to believe that that's the best for God's people. Some of us need to do evaluation and look at our lives and say, 
it's, there's got to be more in my marriage than this. There's got to be more than, 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 than me being able to do this because of the poor health choices I made. There's got to be more understanding than this. There, there's got to be a better relationship with my child. There's got to be reconciliation. That can't be what God intended for his people. Nehemiah just couldn't sleep anymore. There was something burning in his gut that said, no, not on my watch. You know what it was? It was this voice behind him saying, hey, Nehemiah, this is God. Don't listen to the negative voices that have already walked by here and said it's too much, too difficult, too big. No one's ever done it before. You'll never be able to do it. It'll take too much time. Hey, you'll, you'll die doing it. Listen to the voice that says, hey, that's now not how God's people were meant to live. Paul tried to continue this because it seems like Christians struggle with this all the time. I mean, has it really changed? I mean, has it changed? Look at Romans. Look what he says in Romans. They had the same conversation in a different way. It's like, it's like he had to tell the, the church at Rome, it's just like, hey, 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 hey. And, and other Christ followers along the way in Jerusalem and Ephesus and, and, and Corinth. And it's like he continued to repeat this. And I mean, look what he says in, in Romans chapter four. It's like he needed to remind the people again. And it's, it's the same thing I'm doing today. Look at, look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. Paul needed to remind the people again. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Against all what? Hope. Abraham in what? Hope. What did he do? Believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him from God. So your offspring shall be. And then it says this in verse 19. Without weakening in his what? Faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as what? Dead. Since he was 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You've heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating. He was old. People that are 100 years old don't have babies. I mean, you're not going to read today. You've heard me say this, but it's worth. You won't go to the Goshen News today and look for birth announcements from Greencroft. They won't be there. And it wasn't any different than this. So it was hope against hope. His body was as good as dead. Then it says this, verse 20. Yet he did not, what? Waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. But was strengthened in his, what? Faith and give glory to God. Being fully, what? Persuaded. That God had power, that God had power, that God had the power to do what he had promised. And then Paul says this, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him, what? Alone, but also for who? Okay, us, we're the us. See, these words were written a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. Because God knew that his word is eternal. He knew that the church of Jesus Christ in 2014 needs to hear this. And so not only was this good for him, but it's good for us. Look what it says. But also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Hope against hope. Yet he did not waver. Hope against hope. Yet he did not have unbelief. Hope against hope. Yet, you know what? He was fully persuaded that somehow 
God said, hey, you're going to have a baby, and, and your wife, hey, she's going to have a baby too. And together, you're going to have a baby, and, 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 and that baby, the offspring of that baby, is going to take the next generations of people, and from your offspring will be many stars, and thousands of people will come from your offsprings. Now, imagine that conversation if you went this afternoon to Greencroft and visit your mom or your dad, and you saw this guy at the table. Now, let's put this in modern today's language. You sat down, and maybe it's your grandmother or it's your mom or father, and they're at Greencroft, and you're having supper, lunch with them, and there's this, this guy at the table. He's 95. He says, hey, I just got a word from the Lord last night. This is my wife. She's 99. And uh, while I was praying last night, God told me that we're having a baby. Now, what would your first impression be? You would laugh. And you would say, you would roll your eyes and you would think, something's not connecting from here to there. You see, we read these stories and they go, it's just in the Bible. Listen, God could speak whatever he wants to speak today. Maybe he wants to speak to you today and say, listen, it's not over. You need to be fully persuaded that this relationship you're in, that this marriage that this dream that you have, that this body that you've somehow given up on because you think I could never get, get to where I'm supposed to be. Listen to me. You need to be fully persuaded that it's possible with God. You must convince your head, and guess what? Your body will follow. And it will not happen alone by just trying. Let me explain for a second. Trying is a short-term attempt to see if something works. And so, trying is a short-term attempt to see if something works. So, yeah, I'll try that. Hey, come on out, won't you try this? See if you, what, like it. Come on over and we'll, we'll do this together and, and see if you like it. And so trying is nothing more than a short-term attempt to see if something works. Sure, I'll try that, we say. And we've had plenty of trying. All of us have tried something. We have tried to get in shape. We tried to connect with our wives. We tried to get better jobs. We tried to get more spiritual. We have tried and we tried and we're tired from trying. Accomplishing anything of significance with your life will never happen because we try really hard. Or because we just keep trying. The only way it happens is if we train really hard. If we, we have these patterns and disciplines and we stick to it even though we don't want to. We stick to it even though we don't see the benefits right now. We, we stay on this path of discipleship. We stay on this path of training because there will be a day when you look back and you say, wow, look what's happened. Just like we saw in that video. It's more than trying. It's training it's day after day, daily discipline. You can't bail out. Because if you bail out, you won't reap the full benefit of staying at it. You know, I watch it happen. You know, I watch men in Fight Club, and they come through, and for 12 weeks, man, they're after it. Man, they're after it. They're after it. They're after it. They're after it. And then there's a few guys that leave and think, I got 12 weeks off. And they come back 12 weeks later. You know where they're at? Where they were 12 weeks ago. Because they didn't continue this discipline. It's the same for any of us. Nehemiah knew what it would take to make this happen. And he knew it would be more than a try. It would require hard work and discipline. And he acknowledged that it would be difficult. Look at chapter 2. Look at verse 11 of chapter 2. 
He knew it would be difficult. Look what he says in in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Don't go to that gate. Examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then it says this, then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. It's like he took evaluation. This is the condition, same way we need to do. We need to evaluate. This is where I'm at. I, 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 in order to get there, I have to do some work. So he examines the wall. Finally, I turned back and reentered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I as yet had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then he says this, then I said to them, you see the what? Trouble we are in. Like, in other words, this is going to be hard. This isn't going to happen by trying. This is going to take all hands on deck. But we can do this together with God's help. He says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be a disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start what? So they began the good work. You have to fight the urge to give up. You just do. You know what? It doesn't get any easier. I mean, you can have discipline after discipline. As you age, it's not like after 30 years of having this discipline in your life, it doesn't mean that you wake up one day and say, oh, this is so much easier today. Oh, just, it's so easy. I, just, I, I love having quiet time with God every single day of my life. There's never a day that it, it's a battle to press through. Isn't, there's never a day that I'm opposed from the enemy. There's never a day that I wake up and I love exercising. I love, I love, I love, I love doing push-ups and setups. Oh, I just love it. I love running marathons. If I could, I'd run them every single day of my life. If you're that person, then you are abnormal. It's a battle. It's hard work. You have to fight against the voices behind you. And you have to fight the urge to give up. So look what Nehemiah does. Chapter four. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And it says this. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of the associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Look at the sarcasm. Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox Oh, climbing, I want to say, what would the fox say? What would the, stop, Jimmy, stop. <laughs> Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their what of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Discouragement was, they met right away. 
I mean, all the officials out there saying, look at those feeble Jews. They think they're going to build those. Oh, I bet they built it in a day. And then he says, then they say, I bet if even a little fox climbed up on their walls that it would come tumbling down. It's like, you talk about support from the people in the exterior. And so they knew not only would they be opposed, but there would be people, the enemy saying, it'll never happen. Even if a fox climbs up on the walls, they would fall. I love verse 5, though, because verse 5 says this. Don't cover up their guilt, God, or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builder. It's the heart of a warrior who says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon. And he says, God, take care of us. God, help us. God, take care of them. God, sick them, God, sick them. You see... You can't let no one stop you in this journey if Christ has called you to it. You have to have a conversation with yourself daily and remind yourself that it's worth it. And you've got to remind yourself as you look back how far you've come and say, you know what, it was difficult, it was hard, but look what God did. Every step along the way he provided. Sometimes we just need to stop and evaluate our lives, and we, have, we call them praise times. Wow, look what God did. Wow, look what God did. Wow, look what God did. Wow, look at what God did. Wow, look at what God did. You know why we need those? So that we can face these trials, these difficulties ahead of us, and know what, if he did that, then he can do this. I remember a conversation when Ann and I moved to Goshen, from Winona Lake when I graduated from seminary and we were coming up uh, to buy a home and we knew what we could afford, the exact amount we could afford and, and so we barely had anything. We were scraping by and by God's grace we went the whole way through seminary and this is a credit to God. Went through seminary, paid for all the seminary, fully paid. We didn't have a penny debt when we graduated from seminary. That's all because of Jesus Christ. But I remember going into, going into the banker and saying, we want to buy a house. And we'd like to buy one up in Goshen. We wanted to see what we had credit for, what, what we were allowed to take a loan for. So I walked into the bank and, and was with me and we sat down. And I remember taking out my W-2 form from the year before and I gave it to her and she looked at it and, and, and she was excited for it because we were going to buy a home up in Goshen and because this is the call in our lives. And so handed it to her and she says, okay. She says, uh, can you give me your other W-2s? I said, ma'am, that's it. She said, this is it? You lived off of $13,000 this past year with a family of four, and you don't have any debt, and seminary's paid for. And I said, ma'am, that's it. And I began to tell her, hey, one time when the van broke down, electronic ignition module went out, it was $287. And, and the next day we prayed about it, and God had spoken to someone like three days before that, hey, send Jimmy and Ann a check for $290. And we went to our mailbox that day, and there was a check for $290, and, the, and it cost $287. And I began to tell her these stories of how God provided. Now, this is a banker who's nut and bolts. I mean, it's, it's by the book. And I, I could see her face. She says, um, do you have any money for a down payment? I said, man, we don't have, we don't have any um, savings. We, we, we live day by day. And I'll never forget what she said. She's sitting across the table. She said, she's kind of like this, that puzzled look on her face. Like, she said, you did all that with this? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, our God's big. And then she said this. She said, if you were able to do all that with this, then... What will keep you from doing that with this? I said, nothing, ma'am. She says, you know what? I don't normally do this, but I'm going to prove this loan. Because of God. 
because of his goodness and his glory, because of his power. And so when I see, the, when I see this right here, I think, how is this going to be possible? Because God put this, 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 this fresh vision in this man's heart, and it would happen because God said it would happen. And so Nehemiah begins to step out in faith, and it says this in verse 6. It says this. Verse 6 is, so we rebuilt the wall till all that reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. By the way, this is where most bail because they can't see the results yet. And it's like, I mean, you start out good. It's like, oh, man, I started that fitness plan. It's like, I'm like three weeks in. Oh, man, but, man, I'm not seeing the results. How come? It's like, give me the pill. Give me the pill. Like, my, my, my Facebook timeline, because I'm 52 now, and I, I get all the old people's kind of feeds that come through. Tell me when you, you're over 50, these are things, the pills you should take. And, you know, I'm so grateful they do that for me. And it, and it runs through. And there's this one that keeps coming through. It's like, every time I see it, it's like, men over 50, there's this pill that you can take. And when you take it, there's like this special thing inside of you that, that it causes, like, your, your ab muscles to go. I mean, it's like, seriously, it's like, and so I look at that, and I think they show these pictures of these guys, like with, you know, they got like 20 packs instead of six packs. You know, they're, they're, they're 52. And they say, hey, take this pill, and, and this will be you. I just laugh every time. It's like, no, it won't. It means I can't have that second rise and roll. It, it means I got to do some core exercises. It means I got to make some health choices. It means, it means, it means. Now, I'll take the pill in addition to that. But listen, it isn't a shortcut walk to God. It's hard work and you'll want to give up. But with Christ, you can do it. And Nehemiah knew that. And in verse 6, says they built the wall, but they were halfway there. Some of us have been halfway there. It's like, we're not seeing the results. It's like, well, Pastor Jim, I've been kind to my wife for like six months, and she still wakes up. You should see her in the morning. <laughs> Nothing's changing. Oh, Pastor Jim, I haven't told him about that laundry in six weeks. I've been patient. But you should see that pile now. It's piled up, this, and it's at the bottom of the bed, and every morning I walk by it, but I just keep praising God, praise God, praise God. Nothing's changing, Pastor Jim. I'm really good. I don't point it out. I don't nag. And it's like... We want to give up halfway through. Many of us get halfway. But I mean, have you ever been to a basketball game? It's like, and it, the score at halftime, you look up and your team's win, and it's like, yeah, we won. And they don't come back out in the second half? Oh, listen, you'll never get here unless you come back in and you finish. The wall is halfway built. Now's when I found in my experience this way it starts, you start moving forward then you're in for the fight of your life. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired. I don't want to. But this voice behind you says, hey, you need to. Turn left, turn right. This is the way, walk in it. It's gonna be hard, but I got your back. You can do this. The greatest weapon in your arsenal is prayer. Start moving forward and you'll be in the fight for your life. The greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And so you know what Nehemiah does? Take a look. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says this, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of the Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were happy for him, weren't they? Oh, let me help. No, they were angry. They all plotted together to come fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we... Did what to our God? 
prayed to our God and posted a what? Guard day and night to meet this threat. They stood the assault and posted a guard and they prayed out to God. And they probably woke up one morning and says, I'm tired. We've been laboring. I got blisters all over my hands and I don't know if we can make it any farther. Is it really worth it? I mean, how many, t- how many times have you been there? It's like, is this really worth it? I mean, is, is, is what I'm becoming, is that really worth? I'm just bailing out. And Nehemiah and his workers were right there halfway up and then the assaults would come and they had a decision make. Look back on all that you've done and, and throw it away and have to start over later or finish this thing and watch God take us through this. They had a choice to make in that moment. You know what they did? They posted a guard. You know what that means to us? We need to post guards in our lives. What does that mean? Someone that has full privilege to call you out and drag your butt out of bed and say, get up and exercise. Someone that that has full privilege to guard your life and say, how is your quiet time? Someone has full privilege to walk in your life and say, hey, 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 that's not the spirit of a Christ follower. Someone that has full privilege to say, hey, you've been sitting on the sidelines too long. You're wasting your talent. Get back in the game. That's what a guard does. He's called an accountability partner. We need those people in our lives. But this week, I, I, I invited some men to our kickoff for Fight Club, you know, and I, I believe passionately in it because I think it's the greatest tool that we have at Grace for men to run with a whole bunch of other men. It's not perfect, but I, I, I have a lot of people that, that come and, and want to be part of it, and, and I often say, it's your chance to give your life away. It's your chance to push hundreds of men forward. And so there was this man I sent a text to this week, and I said, hey, dude, it's a friendly invite. I'd like to invite you to kickoff on February 7th. And his response, his text came back. I have that kind of privilege in his life. And, and his response came back. You know, I've been thinking about it and, and uh, praying about it and um, really considering it. Oh, baloney, when I saw that text come back. That's why I said, oh, baloney. So I texted back, and I said, well, this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> he wants you to join. And I said this, and if you don't come... I'm going to drag your butt there, so one way or another, you're getting there. And he responded back with a big okay. That's the kind of people we need in our lives that call us out, that hold us accountable, and say, ha, 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 Nehemiah posted guards. You know why? To protect and say, hey, stay at it. Hey, stay at it. I got your back covered. Hey, don't worry about what's back here. Keep building. I'll protect. I'll protect. And then when they, he saw him weakening, this guard would say, hey, hey, you can do that. You can do that. It's pouring courage into someone. And then it says this. It's like in verse 10. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the labors is giving out, and there is so much rubble, we cannot rebuild the wall. Isn't that what normally happens? First, you get tired, and discouragement wants to overwhelm you. This is hard, and it's like, I don't, I'm not seeing the results. And then frustration comes, like, in the process of going, it's like all of a sudden there's these things that are in the way. It's like, it's like remodeling a house. It's like you, can, you know what the finished product is supposed to be, but you're just tired of the couch being pushed against the wall with the chairs on top of it. It's like, I don't know if I can fix stuff in my kitchen anymore with all this dust. And so you get frustrated. And then you get discouraged. And it's like, you need to stop and say, but oh, there's going to be a day. Oh, there's going to be when I'm going to sit on that couch and I'm going to sip some coffee and it's going to be good, really good. There will come a point when discouragement will overcome you with frustration. Their strength began to wane, the text says. When frustration rears its ugly head, 
The verse says, rubble is all they could see. And some of us, our patience begins to wane because it's just hard. Then, you know who comes in next? We'll look at verse 11. It says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and kill them and put an end to their work. It's when you're tired. It's when you're frustrated. That's when the enemy comes in and when you're at your best. Aren't you at your best when you're tired and frustrated? Yeah, come on. (laughs) I'll fight you, Satan. It's like he comes in when you're weak so that he can just mow you over. And that's when discouragement comes upon you if you allow it. Hey, you never amounted to anything. You've never finished anything in your life. (laughs) You think you're going to finish that? You think you're going to walk away pounds? (laughs) Take a look at your belly. (laughs) Enemy comes and speaks. You see, the question is, whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to that voice? Or are you going to listen to the voice behind you saying, hey, turn to the left, turn to the right. This is the way, walk in it. That's the voice we need to listen to. By the way, you can always find someone who will tell you all the things wrong with something. And then it comes in verse 12. Look what it says in verse 12. And it says, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us how many times over, wherever you turn, they will. Don't you love those kind of friends? They come and it's like, 10 times, by the way. You can't do it, 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 you can't do it. In Jesus' name. Don't you love friends like that? It's never been done before. That's impossible. You should do it this way. 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 And so you have a choice to make halfway through. And Nehemiah had a choice. The walls were halfway up. It was almost completed. And some of us are at that halfway point and we're not seeing what we thought we would see at this point. Listen to me. Hold on, hold on any kind of discipline. Listen, it'll pay off in the long run. So Nehemiah said he needed to stand and fight with everything you got because the reward is unbelievable. So look, look what happens. Look at, look at verse 13. It says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind. Therefore, is because all this discouragement tried to come upon them. So he rallied up the troops. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And then there's probably a few guys in this, this group here in the link in the main know this verse. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to Noah's fish and rest of the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord God is great and also fight for your brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters, and rise from homes. I know that verse. That's where he stood up and said, listen, we can do this. Not on our own strength, but on the power of God in us. In other words, stand and fight with everything you have. He wanted to know that they had come way too far to give up now. Now fast forward, if you can, with me. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 7. This, the walls are finished. Look at Nehemiah chapter 7. And look at verse 4. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it in my heart to assemble the nobles and officials and the common people for registration by families. And I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I found there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles from Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town and company with Zerubbabel and Joshua and Nehemiah, Azariah. And there's this list. And then there's this name of men and their families. Now, can you imagine this for a moment? 
after all this hard work, he's down here. He can look back, and all of a sudden the people are coming, and they're coming, and they're giving their names. Smith, family of four, five, here. Brown, family of five, here. Scott, family of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, here. Keep going at it. We've got a bunch of them. And so name after name after name, and as he stood there, they said, I'm back, I'm back, I'm here. Oh, what a moment that must have been for this man as he watched this dream unfold again in front of him and realized it was so worth it because everything we do is connected to relationship. Something happens to me at every graduation of Fight Club. I love what happens in men's lives. And we put two microphones, one here and one here. And we call the men up who've been in Fight Club, you know what they do? They walk up on stage and they come with their families and they walk with their kids and some come with their fathers and mothers. And, and you know what happens? They walk up to the microphone after 12 weeks of wanting to give up at the halfway point. After 12 weeks of, it was difficult. And they come up and they say this, my name is Jim Brown and I'm a Fight Club man. And they got sons and daughters. That's my daddy. They got dads behind. We got pictures of dads going... You got wives standing there because they appreciated this journey. There's a lot of other good journeys wives are grateful for too. But in this moment, they're looking at their man. He finished what he started. That's what we need. We need some finishers. You see, winners never quit and quitters never win. And this journey will not be easy for you. But it will be worth it. So what's your plan for this year? Goulash? Or is it filet mignon? Are you making the choices? Have you made them since last week? Here's what I know to be true, and I'll close with this thought. There will come a point in your life where you'll look back and you'll see every step along the way. It wasn't because God wasn't faithful, it was because you weren't faithful. But all along the way, he never left you once. You could be halfway and look back. You might be right here, and you might just need a praise moment. God, I'm not sure. And all you need to look back and say, oh, Lord, if you did that, Lord, if you did that, Lord, if you did that, and did that, and did that, and did that, then certainly you can do this for me. God, help us to see today that you are with us. God, I pray that we would never once, ever once lose sight of that. We have scars, God. We have bruises. The battleground is, is, is strewn behind us. I pray, God, that we would be faithful to the end because we know that you are faithful. Help us to know, God, that you will never once leave us. Never once. We love you, God. Help us to be finishers this year. In Jesus' name, amen.